I wonder this morning if, if you could take a moment uh, with me to think about what first drew you to Ellsbury Vineyard. It doesn't matter if it's your first time here today or your hundredth time here. And perhaps more importantly, what you think will bring you back next week, he says, hopefully. So as I was thinking about this, I thought I would make my, my own list of reasons. I'm sure it probably doesn't cover absolutely everything by any means, but um, here goes. So I wonder if you came to the vineyard because you can feel the presence of God in this place. And, and I think in the worship today, I, I definitely felt the presence of God here. Um, is it our website, which is full of information about who we are, what we believe and, and, and what we do? Is it, or was it the amazing car park team as you pulled in, or the, the friendly welcome as you walked through the door? Or was it the delicious coffee, or the outstanding worship as we've discussed, or the creative kids' work, or the, or the great youth work as, as, as they're up now together, or friends and family, uh, the delicious food maybe, or the volunteers and the staff who, who work 365 days a year, uh, week in, week out, to make Ellsbury Vineyard what it is. Now, hang on, I think I've missed something, so that was the presence of God, the worship, the kids' work, the, uh, the what? The preaching. No, Steve, it's got nothing to do with the preaching. <laughs> he always thinks about himself, have you noticed? <laughs> what, about our, what, about our, what about our compassion ministries? Was it one of those that perhaps drew you to Ellsbury Vineyard? Because when I think about compassion-related ministries that we run, I've always had from the very start this picture of an umbrella. Uh, And uh, and as we know, uh, one of the main jobs of an umbrella is to shield you from bad weather. And one of the main aims, therefore, of Ellsbury Vineyard uh, with compassion is to strive to protect and, and, and support and to try and help those people that, 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 that get battered by the storms of life. And, and we try and do that with our compassion umbrella, with all those things that kind of fit in. After all, nobody is ever infallible. We all need help in some way, shape or form at some point in our lives. And I know my list wasn't exhaustive, and for each person I'm sure you will have maybe other reasons that attracted you to the vineyard. But for me, when I first started coming here, I was was blown away by the amount of of compassion stuff that Ellsbury Vineyard did. I realised that it challenged me, that it it challenged my, my thinking, that it showed me that I can't skip over those compassion bits of the Bible and, and, and hope that somebody else will pick up the pieces uh, and worry about it for me. After all, it was, it was John Wimber, who was the founder of the Vineyard Church movement, who said this, if you're not going to be kind to those in need, then please don't put the name Vineyard over your church door. And these things made me realise, like it or not, that my compassion had a ceiling limit. In other words, it only went so far. But God being God, he had other ideas. He wanted to stretch not only my thinking on compassion, but he also wanted to stretch my heart as well. And he continues to do so um, all, all, all of the time. 
And I wonder if he's going to do that with you this morning as we go through this. And I wonder if, like me, he's going to maybe give you a a little nudge this morning to perhaps think slightly differently about compassion. The Bible tells us, after all, that Jesus was never complacent about compassion. He, He is our perfect example. And he calls us not to be complacent about compassion either. His message is clear. Through Jesus, we see that God loves his people. And God loves compassion. After all, what better way to show us of how much he loves compassion by sending his son, Jesus, to die on a cross to save us if we acknowledge him as our Lord and Savior in our hearts. And he he simply calls us, doesn't he, to to be more like him. And for the record, I see Aylesbury Vineyard doing that stuff and working towards that, being more like Jesus in our compassion-related things that we do. We love you guys for the the absolute outstanding commitment to building God's kingdom and and, and helping those in need. And I'm so grateful and I'm astounded and astonished always, collectively, the the amount of stuff that we're able to do and to bring together for compassion. And we simply couldn't do it all uh, without you guys that support us in so many different ways. So through your financial giving, which is totally amazing. You know, last year we spent just over £100,000 on compassion. That's 25% of the church's income that went on compassion. Then there's your regular prayer. And your volunteering roles that I know, I can see so many faces here, I know that so many of you volunteer, whether it's storehouse or, or other areas of the church. And it's important that, that, that our collective calling to compassion is high on our agenda. And I believe that because it's important that we, that we take stock. It's important that we look back at what we've achieved in the past year for Jesus and his kingdom, as we like to phrase it, to Tellsbury Vineyard, and then look forward to the future to see what that's going to look like. And, and, and that's why in this context, it's so important that looking back and forward, it's the realisation for us as the body of Christ, what an impact we're making for his kingdom and his community. It's also, of course, in the hope that together we can achieve more. So let me share with you in a moment what that looks like in real terms as we celebrate God's goodness. But first, let me, let me make what may seem like an obvious statement. And hopefully you'll see, you'll see where I'm going with this in a second. God loves Aylesbury and the people of Aylesbury. God loves Aylesbury and the people of Aylesbury. And I know you're sitting there thinking, yeah, we know that, thanks. But let's challenge ourselves further today and take that thought one step further but how how does God love Aylesbury bless you (laughs) and I think he loves Aylesbury first and foremost with all of his heart and as I started to think about what to say today what struck me was this that I wondered if I had that heart love for Aylesbury that heart of love for Aylesbury. And what I mean by that is, do we often fall into the trap of loving Aylesbury and its people with more about our heads 
than our hearts? After all, God gave us head knowledge and heart knowledge, amongst other things, of course, didn't he, when he created us. But what do we think should come first? Well, I think the answer probably lies in our first Bible reading that we're going to look at together. It's not going to be up on the screen. I'm just going to read it to you. It comes from the book of Matthew, chapter 22, verses 34 to 37, and it says this. But when the Pharisees heard that he, Jesus, had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together. And one of them, a lawyer, asked Jesus a question to test him. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And he said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. So this says to me that if we are told to love God with all of our heart, then that must mean that he wants us to show that very same heart of love for his people and his community. And we also see this same idea earlier in the Old Testament. God wanted his people cared for in exactly the same way as he does today. In the, later in the later chapters of the book of Deuteronomy, we see Moses receiving some of the remaining sets of instructions from God to share with his people. And as we look at this together, we, we start to see this idea of compassion was high on God's priority list, even in Old Testament times. And I love how the message translation puts this. Chapter 26, verse 1, talks about God requiring his people to give him their first fruits. Verse 1 says this, Once you have entered the land that God, your God, is giving you as an inheritance... And take it over and settle down. I love that. Just take it over, just settle down, and then we'll just talk about the next thing. Uh, you are to take some of all the first fruits of what you grow in the land that God, your God, is giving you. Put them in a basket and go to the place God, your God, sets apart to worship him. Wow, look at that. God wants us to love and honour him with our first fruits. Or in other words, our best bits. Not the middle bits or the last bits, but he asks us for the best part of what we can offer. So let's ask ourselves today, what can we offer because God is asking us to offer our first fruits, as we've just read in the book of Deuteronomy. And we see, don't we, therefore, in both those readings, that God is asking us to love compassionately with all of our hearts, and then to give away our first fruits. God wanted the best from his people. God wants the best from us. And something else struck me. God believed that his people did qualify to complete this for him, else he would not have asked. Spoiler alert, God is never going to ask you to do something that you cannot do. He does never, he never, ever, ever sets people 
up to fail. In other words, he was re- almost reliant upon them, like he's reliant upon us now being faithful to him and responding to his call, even when we sometimes think that we're not good enough. So therefore, right now in this room, God says that you are good enough. You do qualify. The Message Bible translation tells us in 1 John 4.19, first we were loved. Now we love because he loved us first. God loves us. And he wants you just the way you are. For example... When you, you think that you're not good enough maybe to serve at Ellsbury Vineyard Church, or, or maybe in the week or on a Sunday maybe, or, or you, can't, you don't think you'd be able to serve him in storehouse or any of the other volunteering roles that we have, remember this, God says you qualify. So please, please don't look for a reason why you can't volunteer. Please look for a reason why you can I'll say that again. Please don't look for a reason why you can't volunteer. Please look for a reason why you can. But let's get back to this chapter about first fruits in Deuteronomy because God goes on to say in verse 12 to to give a tenth of your produce to the Levite, the foreigner, the orphan, and the widow so that they may eat their fill in your cities. And I love the fact that we're still doing that as a church today. I believe that the practical and the spiritual actions that we take in showing God's love through compassion not only honour God, but honour his people with the best we can offer. And in the same way that God wanted his people to honour him with their first fruits, he wants us to do that now. And if you're anything like me, Maybe you're sitting there thinking that you need to remind yourself to do that because I know that I do. And we've, we've sown into so many lives into our community throughout the past year. And, and I'd love to just share some figures with you. These are, not going to be, these are not going to be on the screen either, I'm afraid, so you're going to have to just take them in. Um, so let's look at those now. Let's start with, let's start with Link Lunch. For those of you that don't know, um, Link Lunch supports the homeless and the hungry people on a Tuesday morning. So from October 2018 to April 2019, Margaret Lachlan and her team cooked around 148 meals. They also offer other things besides food. They offer showers and, and we have a foot care team that come in, especially over the winter, to be able to look after the homeless's feet. And the storehouse, is, the storehouse cafe is a place where um, people can rest and, and relax and, and, and get out of, of bad weather as well. They also supply tents and sleeping bags. And as the winter draws in, Margaret and her team are always after those items. So maybe if me in the summer you went camping and then thought to yourself, I am never doing that ever again. Um, don't put your tent in the loft and, and for it to, to go mouldy. Um, bring it into us, that would just be amazing. However, links kind of change slightly. Um, We both, Margaret and I, both had a a conversation almost, we'd obviously been thinking along the similar lines, that we would change the way that that Link looked a little bit. So from May 2019, Margaret's refined Link lunch to include quicker takeaway food for the homeless. 
And that's amazing because that's also then, that enables us to be able to give that food out to those people that come in and use storehouse as well. So we're now catching people on a Tuesday who are hungry while they're waiting to be seen at storehouse. And it's clearly already working because from May this year, Marg and a team have made, just to give you one figure, 350 toasties to name just one of them from their new look menu. And I've eaten 349. <laughs> <laughs> no, I haven't. I haven't. <clears throat> and I remember roughly two months ago, we had a family in on a Tuesday morning. Two little children came up to the desk and they, they asked Marg for a toasty. And through conversation with their mum, Margaret found out that they were so hungry and that she was so grateful because they hadn't eaten since Sunday night. How can that be right? I mean, really? You know, 1,100 people claim benefits in Ellsbury every, every single month. So let me read this article that was published um, on the internet through Mix96 from a, a, lady called, a girl called Charlotte Fisher. On the 9th of May this year, she said this, the demand for Ellsbury food banks has almost increased by 100% over the last year because more people are struggling to eat because they simply cannot afford food. You know, just under 25 children live in poverty, 25% of children live in poverty in Aylesbury. That's 7,103 children who potentially go hungry amongst needing other things. And that figure used to be one in seven it be one in seven children that were below the poverty line. It's now one in five. And that's why we do what we do. So moving on to Make Lunch. Make Lunch helps, um, helps to feed countless families who would otherwise really struggle. Parents really struggle to feed their children um, in the school holidays. This is, this is vital that we, that we carry this that we keep going with this. Because many, seedren, many children see the food that we provide and the games and the activities that we play with them, they see that as their summer holiday because they don't get to go away in the summer like many of us perhaps do. And what about our community fridge that's run by Melissa Stone that we started in May this year? Our community fridge is open to everybody to donate food to help reduce food waste, and to help those people get fresh stuff, especially who struggle in all walks of life. It's already received a whopping 1,584 kilograms of fresh and ambient food, and we've given away 1,576 kilograms of food. The community fridge has already had 602 visits from when we started in May. And that's giving individuals and families that's 108 families food. And we're also helping five charities to distribute food as well. And we want to be able to build on this by showing people how to cook new and exciting things with the food that we get in. So please, please support our fridge. You may just happen to walk past it, but it is out of those doors into the main cafe. And then if you just look, there's a, there's a fridge there. Please, if you can start to think to put stuff in, it then gets, it goes out to people. And if you see something in there you want, then take that too, because that's how it works. And it's amazing how popular it already is. Then the storehouse. 
the biggest part of our compassion ministry. From its humble beginnings in somebody's garage in Aston Clinton in 1991, giving away all sorts of small items to people that were in need. Then moving to a shop on Walton Court in 2002, doing more of the same. And that's because the demand grew and there was greater need and we could see this. And then we've carried on storehouse when we moved to the Vineyard Centre, which was then on Ozier Way in 2004. Storehouse still growing, church still growing at a rapid rate. Then finally here, where we bought this place in 2011, where if you took a, a journey around Storehouse, you'd see that we were practically full, even though the building is 23,000 square foot. And one of its main objectives has always been to serve everyone and anybody in need, that those who are sick, those who are working but are struggling to make ends meet still, those who are seeking work, those who, people who are refugees, those people that suffer from domestic violence and are looking for a, a new life. We'll look after everybody of all faiths and none. And Storehouse, just to give you a, a little rundown, offers so much. We, we offer food and uh, clothing for children and furniture and white goods and bedding and every kind of baby paraphernalia stuff that you can possibly think of. And we're very proud to say that we now have our very own resident mobile hairdresser who is here today on the front row. <laughs> who cuts men's hair for free because he sees the worth in what we do. So let's take food as an example, and I'll give you some figures. We are blessed, but the need does just get greater. And God told me when I became head of storehouse, and, and I said, what do you want me to do, God? And he just turned around to me and he said, I want you to rid poverty out of Aylesbury. I thought, wow, <clears throat> big job. And although we haven't achieved that yet, we're, hopefully you'll see that we're, that we're getting there. So from October 2018 to October 19, we've given away 5,717 food parcels, which equates to 48.67 tonnes of food. And when you break it down and you do the math, that actually equates to um, doing 110,306 individual meals. And we've given away 835 items of furniture over the last year, and I dread to think how many tons that equates to. And all this is totally amazing, but we, we mustn't lose sight of the point that we're trying to make here. We must never fall into the trap of giving somebody a food parcel and going, see you next week, bye. Because that, that keeps people trapped in poverty. That is not what we're about. And of course, we want to support people over a long period of time. You know, you may have heard of the phrase, seed, time, and harvest. Well, we need to break that down a little bit and say that phrase more slowly. It's actually seed, time, and then harvest. It doesn't go seed, harvest. There's that word, isn't there, time, in the middle. We often really don't like that word because we're, by nature we're all impatient. And that's why we support people over a long period of time, because we realise that we can't wave a magic wand over people and get them out of their situation in one easy go. 
People need to heal from job losses and bereavements and, and debt and addiction and homelessness and all the other difficult circumstances that they find themselves in. They need to feel almost whole again before, before they can move on to greater things. People need to feel empowered. They need hope. They need someone to tell them that they believe, that we believe with them, that their circumstances are going to change. That they can change and they will change. And that's why for over the past year now, Storehouse has had its very own community hub attached to it. So Every Tuesday morning, our friends Sharon and Zoe from the Vale of Ellsby Housing Trust come and we set up this hub together to do an online job search, um, housing advice, CV work, looking at interview techniques uh, for people and tips and debt advice, to name but a few opportunities that are on offer and the hub continues to grow. In fact, we have approximately now 11 partner agencies that come and give their Tuesday morning up to be able to come and talk to people before they go into storehouse in the hope that we make a difference to people's lives. People need us to journey with them through life when it gets difficult. And there's the startling statistic, and I'm sure you've probably heard it before, that if you are in paid employment today, then you only have to be out of work for three months before you probably will get into some kind of financial difficulty. It's a very thin line. And that's why we also came up with the idea of a job fair. If you're attached to Ellsbury Vineyard Facebook, then you may have seen that we run a job fair twice a year, usually once in April and once in September, and we've just had our, our year three job fair here at the vineyard. And I asked Sharon to send me the job stats, so I, the, I, the job fair stats, so that I could share them with you today, and I, I just wanted to read you uh, uh, some of her email that she sent to me. Um, this, isn't, this doesn't include the first year job stats because we decided that we would use that as a pilot. So this is from year two and year three, uh, the second and the third job fair onwards. So our second job fair held on the 5th of April 2019 at a successful event with 103 attendees and 73 feedback questionnaires completed, advising us that it was a worthwhile event with a score of 8.9 out of 10. And 24 people applied for vacancies on that day. Staff feedback was 9.3 out of 10 and help for helpfulness and professionalism. So our third job fair held on the 20th of September 2019, we had 174 attendees this time, even more, and 71 feedback questionnaires completed. Three interviews were secured on the day, and 29 employers attending, attended com compared to 15 that attended back in April. And as the figures rise, it now looks like we're going to have about 50, 50 um, employers here at the next one. Nine advice agencies were also offering advice on the day from training to healthy living for those that are vulnerable or disabled. And the careers advice service were, were, were packed out all day with doing CVs for job seekers. And they were just busy for the whole duration. And many more um, potential candidates um, were here for vacancies, uh, which um, were things for like apprentices. And it was great to see that we, we had the younger generation here as well. Uh, because we had so many uh, apprenticeships on offer. 
The overall event scored 8.9, the venue 8.79, the signage 8.28, and the staff 9.32. I thought 9.32. Clearly, they didn't like my hairdo. And we also had what we call the, the Great Wall of Jobs and Opportunities Board, which was just out there, which was very successful. And now we're using that, that board and the Opportunities Board uh, in the hub as well every Tuesday. So God sees what we're sowing into. And I know that he's going to help us to reach a harvest over time. And it's not only with your support as well, but we get extra support, which is amazing, from Bucks County Council, the local schools and the local churches that also see what we do and they see the worth in helping us to do that. So as I, as I started to write this talk and actually see the reality of the figures when they were written down that I've just shared, I, I felt challenged to switch my mindset when I, I think about our community in Aylesbury. I realised that we need to see Aylesbury the way that Jesus sees Aylesbury and also how he sees his people. How he sees their worth. How he sees their potential. How he sees their need of hope. And he also sees its broken areas. He sees its deprivation the areas of deep spiritual need where he needs to break in and, and, and transform lives. You know, people, people need freedom from all sorts of things, as we've said, like poverty and homelessness and debt and addiction. So I'm challenging myself today as, as head of storehouse to love Aylesbury and its community more than I do. You know, people are, people are trapped in darkness and we want to bring them out into the light. And that's the great thing, isn't it, about the light of the world? Jesus always beats the darkness. So I would ask that you, you leave here today remembering that God says we do qualify. Andy, I wonder if you could, I don't know where you are either. Cheers, mate, thanks. And as we discovered earlier on, I want you to take this phrase home with you today. Let's not look for reasons why we can't do more for Jesus and his kingdom. But let's look for reasons why we can do more for Jesus and his kingdom. And I would ask that we do that with um, a heart full of love for Ellsbury. That we do it with a, a heart full of compassion using Jesus as our perfect example, and a, and a willingness to do more where we can. And in the hope that um, we see the lost saved, the broken restored, and that we see the joy of his salvation 